Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Good evening, this is Gizmo D and you are tuned to The Mission on 102.7 at 3 FM. Uh, it's January 14th, 2020. I am broadcasting today, filling in for Daniel James, the regular presenter of this show, The Mission, and I am, of course, broadcasting from... Um, Studio 2 down at the Triple R station, which is located on Wurundjeri country. So shout out to um, all Wurundjeri folks and all members of the Kulin Nation uh, and the local leaders past, present and emerging and all the elders and people passed on living in the country in which on which uh, we live and work and breathe. So... Um, yeah, shout out to all Blackfellas and First Nations people listening and to your ancestors. Um, and I've got to give a shout out now to Jar Jar Rung Mob um, up around Castlemaine. I just moved into a, uh, a new house um, in Chewton just outside Castlemaine um, and that's on Jar Jar Rung Country and um, I feel really welcome there. Uh, it's been a really good place for me to move. Um Met um, a bunch of local fellas there, um, Uncle Rick Nelson and um, some other Yorta Yorta fellas. And yeah, I've been made to feel really welcome there. It feels like a really good place for me to be while I'm away from home. Um, and home for me is, of course, um, up in Mbantwa or Alice Springs. Um, so that's my central Aranda family live up there. So shout out to anyone listening. Uh, I know my old man tunes in sometimes. Um, my sister up in Darwin maybe and maybe some families around around Alice Springs uh, and extended Alice Springs region. Um, speaking of whom, got a bit of a treat for you later in the show. Uh, in the second half hour from 6.30 through to 7, going to be playing um, some Aranda language um, learning audio tools that uh, some of you might remember, last week I played some audio from the Upmara and Genjikana team, uh, which is a little language learning centre, runs out of the centre of town in Alice, also called uh, Yellow House. Um, and some of my family are part of that team uh, of elders and language custodians that have been um, putting in the putting in the work and putting in the time and building relationships to help um, really reinvigorate Aranda language learning in the last few years, and especially last year. Last year was the um, the international year of Indigenous languages, so saw a bit of saw quite a lot of uh, different projects and different work being done um, around around this country, um, which was really good to see. Um, but in particular, 
um, the the projects that I've been connected to are the ones running out of um, Central Australia, and I don't. It's not. Um, it's it's very much a living language, but it is uh, it's considered endangered, like many 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 of our languages here are in a, uh, in this country now. Um, but there are still um, a a really strong cohort of um, older people and language custodians who are doing really great projects, working in multimedia and working in community building to develop um, language tools to pass on to uh, people like me and and other people of my generation and younger to keep that language strong. Um, so we're going to hear a bit of a walking tour um, called Antamwala Awachika, um, and it's it's a, a very geographically located uh, piece of audio um, or a series of short audio um, recordings done around Alice Springs, so um, language that is relevant to particular areas um, and and particular animals that you can hear in the background. So we're going to hear that in the second half of the show. Um, but in the first half of the show, uh, I feel quite excited and quite honoured to have a um, have a phone-in interview with a fellow named Oliver Costello, um, and I'll talk a bit about who Oliver is in a moment. But um, yeah, just a just a, just a little acknowledgement that last couple of days um, in Melbourne has been um, really smoky and really hazardous air quality, and I think um, some of the most hazardous urban air quality in the world. Um, I went to the cinema last night. Got a cheap ticket to uh, a really great film I saw at the Nova, and when I went in at around dusk, it was um, a bit smoky. And then when I came out, it was like something out of a, a really strange, yeah, something out of a another era or another. Like it was like I'd walked into another film because the, the smoke was so thick, like I, I could hardly see to the end of the street actually, and that's pretty freaky. So, um, yeah, it's where we're, it's. I think it's important to acknowledge that we're living in a really alarming time and a time of really significant change and. I'm just trying to have those yarns, like honest chats with everyone that I that I that I encounter, like um, just to kind of break that barrier of silence and say, hey, you know, we're in this together, and um, this this is really hectic shit, and um, you know, things are changing, and we need to embrace one another and embrace difficult conversations, and you know, lean into having those difficult conversations about our our changing environment, um, you know, and 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 put pressure on. On, on the government, as, as we've as we've seen, and and our and our sort of na- leaders at the national level to take action, um, but I think interpersonally there's that real kind of that pressure to be in conversation with one another and be in a common, um, you know, build common understanding with one another. And um, I, I'm really I'm really like blown away and and excited about the level of community response and and the amount of money that's been raised and and the community building that goes into those fundraisers because it's not like someone writing a check you know it takes energy to put on a show or to do that fundraising and I believe that um through the fundraising that we're seeing I think that people will build strength and resilience and be in conversation with one another about what we're facing and that that I take a lot of heart in that um so that as a segue leads me into um what I think is a really pertinent conversation that I'm going to be having uh, in not very long at all, um, with 
Bunjalung man Oliver Costello, who is the CEO of Firesticks Alliance Indigenous Corporation. He's going to be calling in from Yuan Country. And Firesticks Alliance Indigenous Corporation is uh, an Indigenous-led network that aims to reinvigorate the use of cultural burning by facilitating cultural learning pathways to fire and land management. Um, and we talked, I spoke last week with Madeline from NITV about some of the fire reporting she'd done um, in the south of New South Wales and in um, Victoria and following some of the, the impact on the Aboriginal communities that she's um, been in contact with. And um, I know from speaking to her, but just from speaking to a lot of people that, um, yeah, people really want to talk about um, these old practices of land management that are, you know, both culturally, both ecologically, but culturally and politically really feel relevant now at a time um, when, you know, dialogue between mainstream and Aboriginal Australia um, feels like it, it has to, you know, keep keep increasing in its intensity, keep increasing in its, you know, in, in the, the way that we're engaging. And um, I think people are really looking for um, different forms of leadership. And, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about cultural burning, um, but Oliver does. And so uh, super keen to have a chat with him um, on the phone. Uh, my name is Gizmo D. You're on 3 R 102.7. Uh, thanks for tuning in. As I said, this is The Mission. Filling in for Daniel James. He got me this week and next week. Um, but yeah, keep it locked. Turn it up. Love one another. Look after each other. And uh, we'll get through this. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. You're on Triple R 102.7 FM. Uh, I'm your host, Gizmo D, filling in for Daniel James on the mission. Um, now, as promised, um, I have a, a phone interview uh, with Bunjalung man Oliver Costello who's calling in from Yuan Country today. Uh, he is the CEO of the Firesticks Alliance Indigenous Corporation, uh, which is an Indigenous-led network that aims to reinvigorate the use of cultural burning by facilitating cultural learning pathways to fire and land management. Um, welcome to the show, Oliver. Thanks for calling oh. in. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Um, now, tell us whereabouts you are and what you're up to at the moment. Yeah, I'm down on Yuan uh, country. Um, come down and meet up with some uncles and brothers to see some of the devastating impacts um, that have happened in their country in the last few weeks. It's really, really sad to see. We went and had a look at one of the burns they did recently. That's um, a good burn, the right fire, and then then we could we've got a, a film crew from uh, a Swiss film crew here, and we're just showing them this is what good fire looks like, cultural burning, and this is what bad fire looks like, the wildfire. You know, and we're actually. Um, looking at the burn right now, which is um, devastating, is also an area that has a reduction has been done by the agencies in the past and you can't tell any difference from uh, one side to the other. And just for listeners um, who might not be familiar, whereabouts um, in where, whereabouts is Ewan Country? Oh, Ewan Country is the south coast of um, New South Wales. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of different different mobs that kind of, you know, around that. Ewan sort of nation sort of um, identification, but yeah, the, um, I'm in like around Sussex Inlet, the Shoal Haven right now. Yeah, okay. Um, 
And it sounds like um, you're saying off air, it's, um, it's a really busy time um, for you and, and with the and with Fire Sticks Alliance. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, what Fire Sticks is um, and, and how it started? Sure. So Fire Sticks is an Indigenous-led organisation that I helped establish um, to bring together cultural fire practitioners to provide mentoring and training and to to really, like, advocate for the the recognition and the reintroduction of cultural fire management across the country. In some parts of the country, you know, we've we've seen a continuation or a revival of cultural fire, you know, particularly in the north. Um, there's amazing programs going on um, linking to, to carbon and environmental sort of outcomes and stuff. And we've seen, you know, like they had huge fires. Um, nobody really know, knew much about them. Nobody really cared because it was just, you know, up in the savannas and, you know, huge huge swathes of land being burning and um, and it was because the old people weren't there anymore practicing their fire and so the scientists kind of got behind them and you know the agency got behind them and they developed you know um, resources to support TOs, traditional custodians to get back on country and uh, maintain their fire practices and fire sticks is saying well why don't we do it everywhere everywhere had culture fire um, you know, and, and look at the devastating impacts that we're seeing, you know, from from Queensland, Victoria, New South Wales, Tasmania, South Australia, WA, Kangaroo Island. I think the I think the rest of the country needs us to actually re-implement our cultural fire regimes. Like I, um, you know, got brought up on Bunjalung country, and fire wasn't a big part of my upbringing. You know, I lived in landscapes that had been basically cleared. Um, and what was left was, you know, isolated pockets of often rainforest and stuff. Um, and then, I'm, you know, got a bit older, I sort of moved out sort of into more sort of woodland areas of um, Bundjalung country, you know, a lot of regrowth and stuff, and fire became a little bit more of an issue. I, you know, I, when I was a kid, I got to lights and fires with RFS and stuff like that. But then when I moved to the Blue Mountains, um, you know, I, I really learned more about fire because, you know, that, you know, this... Every year there's fires in the, you know, somewhere in the bush around the mountains and, you know, and some of them can get quite scary, you know. And I started thinking, well, what about the old people, you know? And then my mother bought this old man she married um, from Arnhem Land back home one time and he he was one of those elders that helped establish those programs in the north and so he's like, he painted the painting of the brown falcon that's in Jeremy Russell Smith's book. He's quoted as saying things like, the fires are coming through here because there's nobody here looking after country, you know, and so he taught me a little bit. I didn't get to spend much time with that old man before he passed away, which is really sad. And then a few years forward, um, I um, went to university and, and started, I, we did a leadership program around sustainability and got involved working with Jambana and then met Victor Stephenson and from then on me and Victor have been, that was about 10 years ago, me and Victor have been working to support, um, you know, cultural burning across across the country since then. So, you know, things have really, you know, the last few years, you know, really picked up. You know, I went full time. Um, the organisation was only set up a couple of years ago but we've been doing this work much longer under the auspices of other organisations, but it became clear that we need to have Indigenous-led models. You know, I worked for National Parks, and I really appreciated the time there and the great work that they do, but, um, you know, I felt that there wasn't the support there for the work that needed to be done, um, and I still feel that about many of the agencies. They don't actually have the authority and understanding from a cultural point of view, to be able to be in control of cultural fire management because that belongs to custodians on the ground. Fire Sticks is not saying that it's, that it's taking responsibility for people's country. It's saying it's taking responsibility to support people on country. And we, we think that the methodologies that we've developed um, have, have merit and have value because they've been 
in practice for thousands of years. They've shaped these landscapes um, so that these things wouldn't happen. In, you know, and so we know what happened now could have largely been avoided. There's no doubt that the the extreme conditions this season, you know, have, have led to you know um, extreme impacts. Um, but the reality is that you know if we're managing this landscape properly, a lot of these impacts wouldn't have happened. There's always going to be fire in the landscape. But the more good fire you have, um, the less bad. Yeah, and I heard you use that language a little bit earlier at the start of the talk, but also um, on, the, on your website you talk about um, the different types of fire and, and right fire and good fire and bad fire. Um, and and I, I guess that kind of um, links in a little bit to that, that deeper custodial kind of knowledge and, and, the, and sort of the, um, the kind of cultural knowledge that builds up over time. Um, that that differentiates the kind of work that that you that you facilitate and 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 help organise um, for people to do on their own country. But can you tell us a little bit a bit about the different types of fire and the different way that people, different ways that people do work with fire and how it is distinct from, um, you know, maybe a parks model? Sure. Well, like fire is our one of our principal management tools. Like it teaches us law of country. It maintains law on country. It's the first, you know, like technology that we could create as humans. We could make fire, you know, like um, we can, you know, like any day of the week, you know, I can go and make fire, you know, but can't make the rain any day of the week, uh, you know. And so there's a whole heap of knowledge and practice that's evolved over thousands of years to support that. And when we talk about, and there's different terms, traditional fire, indigenous fire, Aboriginal fire, cultural fire. And I like cultural fire because I think it it speaks to the essence of what we're talking about. The land has its own culture. As you walk through country, you walk into different country types, it changes. The, the parent trees change, the species change, the animals change, the soils change. All those individual elements, you know, like the different trees, the plants, the animals, they have their own identity. And they form together, they form a culture, you know. And so we want to see good culture. When we, you know, when we talk about cultural fire, we mean good cultural fire, you know. not So it's that, that good, you know, it's like cultural organisation. You want to see the right culture in the environment and what and we want to apply the right fire for that country and so the right fire for country is understanding how the fire will behave and how it will impact on the species and the place you know so we want we want to make sure there's plenty of food for the animals for us we want to make sure that we protect the canopy the story place we want to make sure that we protect the, the ground which is the skin you know like we want to look after the place with our fire and and what we're seeing is that, you know, like some of the hazard, I don't want to say that it's all bad, but, but a lot of the hazard reduction that I have seen, I have witnessed, is actually inappropriate. It's actually breaking our cultural laws because we see the canopy burnt, we see species um, in decline that have been burnt the wrong way, we see all sorts of negative impacts um, through a lot of the hazard reduction burning, and it's because of the focus on fuel. They, you know, they, they fixated on, oh, there's lots of fuel, there's lots of fuel. Yeah, no, we see the fuel. We also see the plants and the animals and the story of this place, and that's the, what the knowledge you need to burn. It's you know, sacred knowledge, and it's a knowledge that is not treated lightly. Like, you have to learn the art of burning. You have to learn the science of burning. You have to bring the art and the science together. You know what I mean? It's not... Uh, it's not just a, yeah, throw a match here, throw a match there, you know. You've got to know what you're doing and you need to know the plants and the animals and, the, you know, and you have to work under cultural authority. If you're not the cultural authority, you need to have 
the, in, the invitation or the consent of the cultural authority. So Fire Six only works under the you know under the direction of local custodians. We don't just go and burn anyone's country. We're always there with local people, and that's what we're asking everybody to follow the same rules because that's the law for the country. That you know we don't want RFS, national parks, forestry, fire rescue, all them. We don't want them burning our country. You know. If they do it with us, for us, that's one thing. But without us, it's no good. That's breaking our law, you know. They, all their knowledge is learnt from our land and our people anyway. They, when first sellers came here, they didn't know how to burn this country. They watched and they mimicked our old people, you know, and they developed their own way of doing it. And, and now they're doing it the wrong way, you know. It's like there needs to be a, a shift in this nation. Um, and it's not just around fire management. People need to start respecting the land and start respecting the custodians, you know. Our old people looked after this land for thousands and thousands of years. In the last 250 years, look what's happened to the place. The fires that we're seeing now are unprecedented in our known history. And it is going to take us hundreds of years to fix. Should we pay for that? We, we shaped this landscape in a healthy way and it's been destroyed. We want people to help us by supporting us get behind us. We want to heal this landscape. We, I know thousands of people that are ready to stand up, traditional custodians, ready to stand up and take on their role as cultural fire practitioners and all sorts of other practitioners. We need people, you know, looking after the waterways, looking after all the country, dancing, singing, look, you know, hunting, gathering, like maintaining their cultural practices because that's what makes country healthy. Western mindsets around, you know, putting fences around things and locking people out doesn't work. Look at what's happened to the landscape. You need people on it that look that know how to look after it. Not people just trashing it. People that are looking after it, caring for it. You know, people don't understand like when if you hunt under the cultural laws, you're actually helping the animals. You're actually increasing the productivity of the community and the society of those animals. And people don't even understand that. They go, Oh, they're taking the animals, they're killing them. No, if you do that the right way and you're burning the right way and you're following all the other laws, there's more animals, there's more plants, there's, you know, there's more tucker. The bush, that's one of the first things that I learned because I was like, when I was younger, I was like, oh, I'd love to, you know, like learn to go and live in the bush and that. And you go out there and there's no food. There's nothing to eat. And you think, well, how, what did the old people do? And I never understood, I could never understand until I learned about fire. I was like, ah, oh, because the fire brings all the, re you know, like the patchwork, so we burn and like we burn cool, we're burning the, the leaves in the grass, we burn them in mosaics. So you get these different times throughout the season, throughout the year. So the animals, you know, like after fire, there's regrowth. There's like for shoots, like th once the trees, you know, the new herbs and shrubs and that come, they have fruit. So there's like all this, you know, over time you get all this production, and then after a while it all sorts of starts to senesce and, you know, die back and and whatnot. So you've got to keep rejuvenating the land, and then the animals can move around. They don't like there's a boom and bust. You know, you get all like there's going to be this massive regeneration event that's going to happen when we get rain, and then it's all going to be the same age. All the plants are going to be the same age. You know, it's mm. like. There's, there needs to be, like, that story, like, you know, you've got the old people, like the ancestors, you know, which are, like, sometimes those big dead trees, that, you know, they're gone now. Um, I mean, that are standing, but they've died. And then you've got the the next generation, which are our elders, you know, that are still alive. And then, the, the you know, the mature adults and the young adults and then the gener next generations all the way down to the seeds in the ground, that, you know, the future generations. Like, you need those stories. And when you see this amount of country burning... You know that there's all these problems in the future, you know, and that's reflected in our in our human society as well. 
Yeah, I think um, I'm really I'm really appreciating how you're um, sort of demarcating between the different, really the different, like the really really different kind of like methodological standpoints for how to approach and how to be in relationship with you know with country as country rather than just as land. So like I sometimes think about. Um, like a, a sort of a Western imperialist mindset as thinking about land that can be sort of cut up and, you know, once you've cut it up and put it in a chunk, that's yours and you you function, you know, you it's your function to like manage and own that piece of land as if it's disconnected from the others. Whereas really what I feel like you're outlining here is that rather than seeing fire as a threat or seeing, you know, animals as a resource or seeing, you know, this kind of like wilderness as something that is to be like, um, tamed or avoided or like whatever it is it's actually a set of it's a set of um, cultural relationships and really like fire is one it seems like fire is one technology as as singing and dancing and and um, other forms of technology like help to like regeneratively develop um, develop and really and, and and cultivate culture over time rather than like slash and burn or like mm. you know or 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 just like deal with land on mass it seems like that mm. walking and being present to the intricacies and the changes within a within a within an ecological framework is is key to you know actually managing it well it connects people like the, these, it's a different philosophy like we, we we you know through a cultural learning framework for fire you don't. You're not scared of fire. You respect fire's power, and you use that power for good. And and that's the problem. Like, you know, we get kid. When you're a kid, you get taught, "Oh, that fire's hot. It will burn you." You know what I mean? Mm. And and to be scared of it. It's like, no, just know not to touch it because you understand that it's going to burn you. Don't be scared of it. Like, um, it's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, and that holisticness. Like, we have. Like I was saying before. Like. Um, Sometimes I don't say his name, but I will. Billy Yalawanga was the old man that my mother um, brought home. And what he was saying when he said that nobody's out here, that's why the fires are coming, he's saying that people need to be on country looking after their, their clan estates. Mm. And, and, and that means that they're, and when everybody's out there doing that, they're all connected. So everybody's looking after everybody then. Because if the fire, you know, looking after your country, someone just goes, oh, we're not there anymore. And then suddenly there's a bad fire there. And then all the other families get affected by that. Do you know what I mean? So we've got to, like, there's a collective responsibility there. It's not this individualism that's, that's you know, through colonisation that's, you know, gripped the world, disconnects people from that sense of community. And, and that's the most important thing for us as custodians is that we're connected to the land. Uh, the trees and animals, there are ancestors. And it's not just like some mythological the trees make the air that we breathe guys like it's a real thing you know what i mean like the story you know like these animals evolved before us you know they were here before us and they have eyes like we do Uh, you know like we have attributes that they have and they had them before us and you know like genetically we're related you know what i mean like we all come from the same ecosystems and we've evolved together like everything that we eat comes from the land you know, it's a regenerative process, living. So, like, the old people knew this stuff. You know, they, they had all this knowledge, you know, like, before, like, you know, so-called Western science. Like, they understood these things. Like, they would have been, like, preparing for this year, years ahead of time. Mm-hmm. They would have known this was coming. They're like, oh, the climate's shifting. It's getting drier. We've got to burn more this year. We're going to do this. We've got to, like, they would know because they would be seeing the fire behaviour because they would be reading the country. 
So, so that's what I mean. Like we've been saying this to people. Like I'm not as I'm not going to pretend that I'm anything near some of those old people. But hopefully one day I will be. And the only way I'm going to learn is by practicing my culture and you know doing this work. You're on and three trips. Thousands of people to do this, and I meet them every day. There's, I'm sitting here, you know, looking at half a dozen young Ewan men that are ready to stand up. They're knowledge holders. They, they want to fix their country up, you know, and they're not they're not starting from from scratch. They've already got knowledge. They've already been burning. They've been teaching other people how to burn, but they don't have jobs to do that. That's what they do in their spare time to help us out. Do you know what I mean? Like. Where are these jobs that we need? And, and we're, not, we're not asking for new jobs. We're asking for the, our old jobs back. Those young men would, if colonisation didn't happen, they'd be, this never would have happened. They be, would have been burning looking after this landscape and we wouldn't be having this conversation. You're on 3 triple 102.7 FM um, uh, with me, Gizmo D, on the mission. Um, and we're uh, having a yarn with Bunjalung man Oliver Costello uh, from Fire Sticks Alliance Indigenous Corporation. Um, Oliver, that brings me into my next question, I guess, which is, um, you know, if there are these jobs to be done and there are the, and people standing up to do it, um, what, what, is fire, what is the approach that Fire Sticks brings, you know, to the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years? You know, what's, what, what's, your, um, what's your framework and what's your approach and, and how, how will you go about... Um, building this network as it is and, and, and building numbers and what's your, yeah, what's, what's next and, 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 and how, you, how do you go about achieving that work? Well, we just keep doing what we're doing because it's working, but we just want people to get put behind us because we need to keep growing. Like when I, the first workshop I went to with Victor um, was Byzant, um in 2010, so that was eight years ago, um, or 10 years ago, sorry, I'm getting my maths right, so 10 years ago, and um, that's when I first started the Fire Stigs project, and and I sort of, I was I, I got a cadetship at National Parks, and, I, and in my job interview, I said to them, there's two things that I'm really passionate about, um, cultural fire management and um, climate change, seeing Indigenous knowledge and practice to help shift um, and adapt to climate change impacts and use the philosophies and knowledge of our old people to help. If the world hadn't been colonised and everyone was still First Peoples, you know, there would be no climate change because everyone would be connected and looking after the land. So that kind of methodology, you know, that's what we're saying is, like, let's support people to become custodians so that they understand what they need to do in their country and how that affects others. And, and looking after the place. And so what we've been doing, so that first workshop, there was like 30 people, and I, and I worked to bring up um, some national parks and other um, fire sort of related um, agency staff and community members, mainly community members, and they come up, and this is the first time that most of them had ever been on a fire, you know, like, and to be able to be on, to burn, and to be able to be, and so people feel very empowered. And so we've been, you know, like those early ones, the Cape York ones, um, Victor Stephenson and Peter Stanley, you know, under the leadership um, of um, Dr. Tommy George, who's passed now, and before him, um, George Musgrave, which I never met. Um, those old men, you know, they've created this journey for us, you know, by providing that support to Victor and Peter to build um, the methodologies, to be able to share them with other people, to be able to start the workshops. And so every year that workshop has almost like, it's gone, you know, like 30 and 60, 80, you know, 150, 120, 200. At the last fire workshop, we had 500 people. And we have to, we have to turn people back because we don't have the capacity in our workshop program because we run people through workshops. We've got eight simultaneous workshops happening. 
And when we often like announce the workshops, we got no, you know, we had zero dollars in the bank. We, you know, and we had some support from Cape York Henry because they'd been running the workshops in Cape York, and they said, "Well, you know, we'll help you." But we had no money. We had no staff. We, you know, we've only ever, we've only had staff in the least last three months. Um, you know, so. And we've run these massive workshops, and they've, they're changing the way people think about fire. And if we can keep doing that, um, we'll, you know, we've been running smaller workshops, so we developed these training and mentoring programs led by Victor Stephenson. Um, we want resourcing from whoever wants to see this happen to get 100 culture fire practitioners within our training and mentoring program in the next um, a few months so we can deliver the program over the next few years to develop um, a standard for cultural fire, for fire sticks cultural fire practitioners so that they can go out and train thousands of other practitioners. So we want to have regional hubs um, across the country where people can like come and learn the appropriate, you know, and so people learn to burn their own country but they also get to burn in other people's country under invitation so they can share knowledge and practice and so we can rebuild a lot of those kind of cultural pathways for learning. And it's not just burning, it's also at our workshops we have weaving, dancing, tool making, singing, um, storytelling, reading country, cross-cultural monitoring, it's like eight workshops, it's doing all these different things. So people learn the values of cultural burning. It's not just about lighting a fire, it's about understanding the country, who the people are, uh, working under the authority, respecting them, you know, eating, sharing foods, you know, it's like all these cultural values, you know what I mean, that define who we are as individuals and communities and how we can support each other to grow and learn together. So these workshop spaces, um, uh, they sound like they're um, multicultural and, and intercultural spaces for presumably like blackfellas can come who are you know to learn to learn about that country and 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 um, and, and non-Aboriginal people can come and learn as well. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And is that is that a, a big part of um, you know Fire Sticks' outlook? Is that this is this is cross-cultural um, connecting work? Absolutely. Like we, you know, like we have a clear position that like cultural fire management needs to be under the authority of cultural. Um, people, the people that are connected to that land, the, the custodians, you know, what I mean, traditional owners or whatever people want to call them, people that belong there, they're the ones that should be in charge of fire in their country. But it's so important that everybody else understands the principles and how they can support them and, you know, would teach a little bit of that knowledge, you know, so people can work under that authority and then heal the rifts, you know, like we have, you know, people from every sort of you know, the political landscape, you know, um, from social landscapes, you know, like coming, it's not just, you know, all black fellows or all firefighters, you know, we have a huge range of people coming from, you know, all over and, you know, people, I don't know, like I don't, you know, this is my job to talk up about what we do, but seriously, like I'm, I'm a crazy person trying to, you know, deal with the politics and the food and, you know, all the stuff that's going on and we're burning and everything. And then um, everyone's just smiling and having a great time and it's just real, you just go, oh, wow, how good is this? So you have this amazing time um, in the midst of, you know, total, you know, chaos as an organiser um, because, you know, <laughs> you're trying to run this, like, you know, amazing kind of complex thing where people are burning and there's, you know, we're feeding everyone camping. It's like, you know, it's like crazy what we do. But it's just so, people love it. And we have such a good time and it and builds a community. You know, we're not in, you know, Sydney, Darling Harbour, you know, um, you know, like in a conference centre. We're on country burning, you know, and sharing knowledge, you know. And people, most people have never experienced that before. And why is it important... Um Oliver, that this that this um, stays a um, an indigenous and particularly a um, a custodian led 
um, project. I know it sounds like you work, you know, work at the face, you know, up against and alongside bureaucracy and government. Um, why is it? In, why do you see it as important that um, you know blackfellas maintain the leadership in this particular project and in projects like this? Because I'm pretty sure people have seen what's been on the news for the last three months since August. This is what happens. If you take the fire stick away from the custodian, you get bad fire. Um, you know, like we, you know, like look at all the impacts that have happened to First Nations people because of the lack of respect and not and acknowledgement of their knowledge and practice. You know, like there, a whole heap of fire practice today has been, you know, mimicked and stolen from our old people. You know what I mean? And it's been corrupted. So it needs to be maintained within a cultural framework that understands the laws and practices and can, you know, so if a farmer wants to come and come, a farmer comes to us and says, oh, can you teach me how to cultural, do cultural burning? We say, oh, we can't teach you how to do cultural burning. But if there's local custodians that know how to do it, they can if they want, or we can teach them. But, like, they need to be resourced to be able to make sure that you know what you're doing because it's not like we can just, like, it's like giving someone a box of matches. Oh, okay, you know, oh, this, is how you, this is how you strike a match. Now you go off you go. Mm. Someone needs to be looking after those people. We need to make sure that they know it, because otherwise we're giving them, it's we're giving them consent to burn, and they might be doing the wrong thing, and then we're responsible for that. We taught them, and now they're doing the wrong thing, and they might not know they're doing the wrong. They might be trying to do the right thing, but if they don't have someone there that's like knows what the right thing is to make sure they're doing the thing the right way, and that needs to be First Nations custodians, because that's the way it works. Like they're the ones that know that knowledge and have that responsibility. You're on three triple R one hundred two point seven FM. I'm going to wind up pretty pretty soon, even though I feel like I could um, yarn with Oliver Costello uh, all evening, and um, probably will stay in contact because um, you know, obviously, you know, I think the people listeners will be able to tell um, there's a lot in this conversation. We're not just talking about you know fire as such. We're talking about fire, and and Oliver's talking about fire as part of a holistic and integrated and political and culturally organised set of technologies for for looking after country and looking after people on country. Um, Oliver, I just wanted to wrap up fairly soon, but um, just a couple of things more, like where, you know, how can people support, how can people find fire sticks and how can people get involved and, um, and um, yeah, and anything else you wanted to say, but in particular, how can people um, get around Fire Sticks Alliance and, 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 and help, help it grow and, and learn themselves? Sure. So there's plenty of ways that people can get involved if they're interested. So we've got our website is firesticks.org.au. Um, people can go there. There's you know if people want to. We've launched a, a fundraising campaign to try and support um, the training and mentoring program, and we want to roll out a whole heap of like workshops and information sessions in um, like places like where we are today, Ewan Country, where we've seen bad fire, and go and ch- go and talk to landholders and communities and agencies about the role of fire, um, cultural burning. Fight what fire sticks can do. So get that education out there. If people want to um, get involved, there's um, a, you know they can fill out. They might they might need to navigate our website a little bit. Um, we're trying to clean it up a little, make it a bit easier. But they can fill out a survey, which is about how people might want to join and support. So there's different levels of you know some people just want to like learn about it more. They would, uh, some people want to come and you know volunteer. Some people might want a job. So they can fill that form out there, and uh, you know hopefully in the future we'll be hiring. Um, and so. Um, yeah, and the other thing is if landholders out there want to, um, us to come and do work, we've got forms on there too um, to engage us um, in projects and workshops and stuff. Um, but we, we have to follow cultural protocols, so we can only work where, you know, we've got custodians that want to work with us and support local landholders. But 
So, yeah, there's a whole heap of ways people can get involved. Um, and, yeah, just come check the website out and and shout out to us, you know. Like, we're, we're really... We're really trying to build awareness. So talk about it to your friends and, you know, your families and your neighbours. Talk about what's happening now in a way where you, you know that, you know, it could have been prevented. A lot of the damage, there would have been fires. You know, I'm not saying that there wouldn't have been impacts. Um, but, you know, the significance of these impacts could have been reduced dramatically. Um, you know, and it would have just been the order of magnitude of support that was there before because we can, we, I mean, we're going to take people and show them some of the areas that we've burnt and, um, you know, and how the, the, you know, the burning we've done has helped to protect that landscape. Um, <clears throat> Oliver, thank you so much, man. Like, I really feel like, um, you know, uh, part of the job that you do and part of what we, the job that we need done is to tell to tell to retell old stories they sound like new stories to you know in a colonized world but these are actually really old stories and to have people like yourself um able to language this in a way that is so easy to engage with and so welcoming and makes it so easy to learn from and for people to feel so welcome and engaged um so i really i really honor and commend you as the you know as the as the storyteller of this organization and the work that you're doing bud yeah thank you so much for having me it's been a real pleasure Look after yourself, man. Triple R. Triple R. What a young lawyer. I'm going to be your teacher today. A young What a means hello. A young means me. And a way means listen. A young way. Listen to me. A young way. Want to him? You want to come along? In look at the footprints. Okay, let's go. So every time you hear me say, that means we gotta keep walking. We'll keep walking on this road. Iwara means road. Iwara nanala means here on this road. You were nanala on this road. Inkampaj Arpanagaray. Look out for another footprint. Tap mapakaway. Listen out for the birds. Inkampaj Arpanagaray. Howdy. You're with me, Gizmo D, on the mission coming up nearly to 8 o'clock now, which means it's nearly time for us to finish up. Uh, you are listening to some of the sounds of Ntamala Awachika. That's track one uh, from the Ntamala Awachika. Um, what should I call it? Recording um, that you can get on Bandcamp. And that was put out by Abmarang um, Ngenjikena, which is um, an organization out of Alice Springs running Aranda Learning and Teaching. Um, so yeah, I'm going to play, I'm going to actually have a, an interview with, um, some of that mob, uh, my auntie Ali, uh, and, 
uh, hopefully Ani Ali and and whoever else is around um, next week on the show um, to talk a bit about a bit more about language projects happening up there and uh, along with probably an artist from the Watch This Space Arts Collective. Um, big shout out to um, Oliver Costello who was who had oh, I think we spoke for about half an hour there so. Um, yeah, that was that was a really fantastic um, conversation. So, big shout out to um, Oliver, who's a Bunjilung man, calling in from Yuen Country. Um, and if for those who missed it, um, his organisation is called Fire Sticks Alliance Indigenous Corporation. Uh, it's an Indigenous-led network um, working with cultural burning um, across across uh, across the country and empowering young and old um, Aboriginal leaders and custodians to take control back of fire burning and cultural practices on their country. Um, really fantastic and really, really privileged to have that chat with him. Um, I'm about to finish up um, and I believe that I think we're going to go to um, analysis paralysis. Is that correct? Yeah, the guys are back. I'm getting thumbs up. I'm going to play one more track um, and then we're going to go to them. Um it's been a great show today. I didn't get as much. I didn't get a chance to do as much of the language stuff um, at the very end there um, because I had had my phone in. But um, hopefully, people enjoyed the show. Um, and I'm going to be with you again next week, filling in my last fill, last summer fill for Daniel James here on the mission on Three Triple R Public Radio for Life. Keep it locked. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.